Episode 1 of Rockin' All Week with You, the Happy Days Podcast. My name is Dan Budnick, Daniel R. Budnick, to differentiate myself from the award-winning photographer Dan Budnick. I am not him. Although, wouldn't it be awesome to have an award-winning photographer sitting with you for hours talking about Happy Days? That would be cool. I'm not that guy. I am an author. I've written a few books. Uh, Bleeding Skull, a 1980s trash horror odyssey. I co-wrote that one. 80s action movies on the cheap. I've got a third book on exploring the Henningverse, which will be coming out soon. Well, a year or so. I'm still working on it as we're talking here, folks. And I I write a lot, and I wrote for the Bleeding Skull website from 2006-2014. I have a site called Some Polish American Guy Reviews Things, where I review all sorts of different things, movies and uh, TV shows. My biggest thing on that, I guess, is I reviewed in detail every single episode of BJ and the Bear, nice. Uh, what else? Uh, yeah, I'm on the. I'm one of the hosts of Made for TV Mayhem show with my good friend uh, Amanda Reyes and Nate Johnson, and uh, I'm on a great podcast called Podcast Mania. I do a lot of junk. I do a lot of good junk. A good, good quality junk. Let's roll that back. I do a lot of good stuff. Um, if if you're if you're hearing me for the first time. One of the things uh, with uh, my podcast like this is I tend to sort of go a bit free form on it. I've got a uh, pe- couple pages of notes here standing by, but I like to sort of free form it. Uh, you know, for example, one of my other podcasts, I do a podcast called Eventually Super Train, which is short-lived TV shows. And the great thing about that is that my friend Amanda Reyes and I covered episode by episode Joni Loves Chachi. So when we get to the end of season nine of Happy Days and season 10 I'm going to be linking you to those episodes so you can, hopefully they're still around I'll link you to those episodes so you can it'll be great it'll be great what else am I talking about here oh yes eventually Super Train then I have another uh, podcast Dan's Driving Double Feature where I talk two movies at a time sort of exploitation or horror or kids strange kids movies things like that and I also do a uh, I do I do a bunch of the minute by minute podcasts where you go through a movie minute by minute and I have done uh, let's see, one minute with Night of Horror, covering uh, Tony Malinowski's 1981 Night of Horror. A minute to Dismember, covering Doris Wishman's late 70s, early 80s, depending upon whenever the heck it was she made it, uh, slasher film, Night to Dismember. A one minute with Blood Lake and Iced, speaks for itself. The Last Slumber Party Minute, one of my favorite slashers. And right now, as I'm recording this, I am early on in one minute with European Zombies, circa 1980. I'm discussing Zombie Lake and Burial Ground and having a really good time. Those are sort of my credentials. So you're like, okay, Dan, well, what gives you the right to talk about happy days? Nothing gives me the right to talk about anything. The only things I can tell you is that I did discuss Joni Loves Chachi. Now, I know you're saying, oh, Dan, Joni Loves Chachi. Nah, it's better. It's better than you remember it if you haven't seen it lately. Yeah, we, we had a great time when we were talking about it. So, so 
here let, let me give you let me give you a little my happy days background then we will segue into a little love american style not a big fan of that theme song you'll hear more about that later i was born in 1973 in rochester new york arondequoit suburb arondequoit actually i think i actually i i was born in rochester i i know we lived in the suburb a couple years later, but I, my parents kind of right after I was born in Rochester, they kind of traveled around and we were all over the place and down in like Texas and Mexico and things like that and all sorts of different places. There are vague pictures. Occasionally I'll see a picture when I visit my mom. I'll be like, what, who the hell is this little baby? Oh, that's you. Where am I? Why are you sitting on the back of a pickup truck in the middle of nowhere? Oh, we're in Mexico. It's like, what? And so having said that, uh, most of my, childhood was uh, by, by like say 75 i was we were in aronicoit and we lived at 313 berry road maybe i'll post a picture of the house i took a picture this past christmas i i hadn't seen it in like 10 years and happy days was just something i watched it was something i loved it was i i had a really rough time in my childhood with um well a lot of things i was going to say bullies but i'm trying to talk about television here uh with hour long american shows but sitcoms, half-hour sitcoms, I loved, I loved, I loved. And Happy Days just really grabbed me. I think by the time I was able to probably pay attention, circa 78-ish or so, Happy Days was already doing like Happy Days Again or whatever it was. We'll talk about that when we get to it, the syndicated version. So Happy Days was on in the evenings, like Tuesday, it was Tuesday nights, and then it was also on during the day. And it was great. And you, you, it, we'll talk more about the, the way the show changed as it went along, which is part of the fun of the show, is that if you're listening to me say this from the end of the show, you'll know that if you're listening now, things are very different from what you're hearing then. But if you're with me at the beginning of the show and we're not at the end of the show, we will be different from where we are when you're the person listening to it then, coming back and listening to it again now. Bear with me. So, yeah, Happy Days. I remember when our the first TV my parents had in Berry Road broke. It must have been 79 or 80 during a daytime, or was it the evening? It was during a Happy Days. I remember we were sitting there, the Fonz was on, and all of a sudden he turned green. And we used to have, you know, we used to have one of those things, those, those, uh, we had the big rabbit ears, uh, which will, there are rabbit ears coming up in the Love American style uh, segment we're about to talk about. But the big rabbit ears, and we also had that, that thing that you would like turn, it would be like chunk, 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 and then you'd leave it, and then like it would go like chunk, 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 and then hopefully the picture would be better. Yeah. But yeah, the first TV we ever had that broke was during Happy Days. Fonz turned green and just the whole thing just crapped out on us. And we had to get a new TV. And yeah, Happy Days was just just really a big part of my life when I was a kid. I used to watch it all the time. I loved the Fonz. I loved everyone else. I loved, you know, when Richie left and the show changed. I just, to me, and I'll, we'll talk about this more, to me, that was life. You know, people are in your life, then they're not in your life. And you miss them and you hope they'll, you'll see them again, but maybe you won't, but you keep living. And that's the, that's the point of the show is is that at, at one point, it, 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 and again, this will be something we talk about further down the line, but one of the, the reasons why I really want to talk about the show is how it goes from the first few seasons where it's the Richie Cunningham show to where it's more about the house and the people and the ensemble and the people leave and the people come back and da 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 but it's all like centered in this space in this space you know 
and uh, one of the reasons why I love it. I also think at its best, it's very funny. It's extremely charming. And at approximately 250 episodes, it does a lot of stuff. It does a lot of stuff. And what got me back into Happy Days, because I hadn't watched it in ages, was Hallmark Channel, I believe, in 2013, I think. The first half of 2013. We're doing like three-hour blocks, like two to five and then five to eight. Two to five was Happy Days. Five to eight was Brady Bunch. And so I was coming home from, I was mostly working at home at that time, but a couple days a week I had I had an office thing I would go to, and I would come home and I'd sit down and I'd start watching some Happy Days. And I think I started watching when they were at the Christmas episode, geez, I, I think it's season eight, I could be wrong there, season eight or nine, the one with the blizzard, we'll get to it folks, I think it's season eight or nine, I'll get back to you by the end of the episode, I think it's season eight, there's a blizzard and everyone separates, the first one without Richie there, and that was, I remember that being the first one I watched, and I just loved it, and so... As I was doing my work from home, I had Happy Days playing for three hours, then Brady Bunch playing for three hours. One of the joys of that is that, I think it was March of 2013? March 1st, the three-hour block of Brady Bunch, the second episode they showed was the first episode. So because they were doing it five days a week, six episodes a day, I was actually able to watch the entirety of the Brady Bunch from beginning to end in a month which was kind of crazy. Yeah, so they did that over the course of like two or three months. They didn't show it for long, but I really got into it. And I hadn't bought any of the seasons when they were out on DVD. Although I remember the first season of Happy Days came out, and remind me guys to tell you later about going to the store to pick up the Monsters season one, which came out the same day, and getting into a discussion with a woman about widescreen TVs. This was back in like 2004. But, so that's, that's um yeah, I never bought them when they came out. I was tempted with Laverne and Shirley, but I, I never did. But then I started buying them as they were out, and then I was able to, to get some other episodes and such, and suddenly I was like, I want to do this. And I've been talking about this for years over on Eventually Super Train with Amanda, because Amanda's doing a Trapper John podcast. And I was like, I finally got to get on this darn thing. So that is my roundabout way of taking us to 1971-72 and the show Love American Style which began in 1969 and to me feels like an offshoot a variation of like a, a laughing kind of thing where it's like we're all hippies and it's all fun and love 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 kind of stuff and I was never a fan I'll talk more about that after after you hear some stuff here but so what, what what's happening is you've got Gary Marshall has developed Odd Couple which is doing pretty good and Love American Style is on in, uh, around the same uh, same night as Odd Couple at this time, 71, 72. And the, of course, the, 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 the landscape of television is all in the family and Sanford and Son and Mary Tyler Moore and stuff like that. Gunsmoke is still up there, but we'll, we'll, we'll discuss the writings in a bit too. But Love American Style was an anthology so, show, so... Gary Marshall brought in this thing which very specifically went back to the early 50s in a very different time and and it was an yeah it was an anthology show and there were several segments within each episode and let's dive in right now 
we're going to go to a segment called Love and the Television Set, also renamed at one point Love and the Happy Days. Huh? Get it? Get it? it w- which is about the Cunninghams, who are a super waspy family, a mother, father, uh, mother uh, is basically a housewife, but also like works for the Red Cross. Dad owns a hardware store. Son is a, son Chuck is at college. Next son, Richie, is 16. And daughter, uh, sister, daughter, Joni is, I don't know, seven, eight, something like that. And um, let me uh, play you this, and then we will begin discussing love and the television set. Love, love, love. Love, American style. True than the red, white, and blue. Love, American style. That's me. That was an abbreviated version of the Love American Style theme song, which, frankly, I can take or leave. And, and also, even more frankly, in, in some respects, something we're only going to talk about right in this episode. So there was uh, that Love American Style, February 25th, 1972, the end of their third season. They were on a sort of block of television at that time with on ABC with... It was Brady Bunch, Partridge Family, Room 222, Odd Couple, and Love American Style, with Love American Style being an hour. And it was an anthology program, and it would more or less comedic-y love vignettes and 20, 25-minute things and such from all over the place. And this, where we are right now is where we're talking, directed by Gary Nelson, written by Gary Marshall, love in the television set. And this is, keep in mind that at, the, at this point, sort of historically at this point at this point the sort of the world of television the things that were top rated in the u.s weren't things that dealt uh with uh, the past well i mean Gunsmoke was was still there but like the top shows of this season 71 72 you got all in the family flip wilson show marcus welby md Gunsmoke, which was pretty much perennial the whole time it was on abc movie of the week sanford and son you know those are the top things and you also had uh poking in there like mary tyler moore adam 12 uh mannix here's lucy hawaii 5 was still floating around there but one of, one of the things with love america style yeah it being an anthology it jumped all over the place when it needed to and so this is set in the 50s and it's set in the early 50s and let me play you the opening narration. So this is, we, we get sort of um, the camera panning and cutting and jumping around the room of Richie Cunningham, played by Ronnie Howard. And here's, here is the dialogue from that. It's pretty hard to be 16 and growing up. Maybe it was easier when my parents were young, but now it's the 1950s and the world's really getting complicated. Now, don't get me wrong, I have a great family. My father's in the hardware business. My mom does volunteer work for the Red Cross. My brother goes to college. And my sister wants to go to an orthodontist. My sister does, however, go to piano lessons, and I always get stuck walking her home. But today I don't mind, because 
Today's a big day. We're going to be the first family on the block to get a television set. <laughs> my sister has to tell everybody, but I only told my best friend, Potsy. Open the door, Richard. Hey, Potsy. The premise behind this episode is it's all about uh, the TV set. They're getting a TV set, first one in the neighborhood there, and everybody wants to come over. And we learn about a young lady named Arlene Nestrock, who Richie really likes. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play you this clip from there. And this is him. Uh, him and Potsy are in some sort of diner. This ain't Arnold's or you know anything like that. It's just sort of a vague early '50s diner with all the kids dancing around. And, and Arlene and her friends sit down, and Richie and Potsy go up and talk to them. Hi, Arlene. Remember me? Michael Raymond no? Chicken. Hi, Potsy. Richie Cunningham. I talked to you at band practice. Uh, I'm out for the bass drum. I don't remember talking. Well, actually, you dropped your viola, and, and I picked it up, and you said thanks, and I said you're welcome. <laughs> That's talking? Well, uh, sort of talking. <laughs> I got a television set. Nice and awkward. I've I've experienced that. I recognize that sort of scene. But she does when she hears about the TV. She gets excited and they dance. And uh, Richie is told to blow in her ear, but she blows in his ear and it's like, come on over. And so the the next day they're there. The television doesn't quite work that well. It's one of those wacky. We can't get there's too much snow on the screen. We can't get a picture in. And they're trying to watch the fights. And you know the dad is and Mr. Cunningham is moving all over the room with the rabbit ears. And then someone has to stand like on a chair in the hallway, kind of thing. It's great. And then at the end of all of it, Richie heads on back with Arlene to her place. And you learn as he's standing outside uh, her door, uh, the door of her apartment. Uh, where she lives with her mom, apparently, I don't, I don't see a dad or anything, that she is actually going out with Eddie Bazinski and just went out with Richie to see the TV. Richie's a little heartbroken, but then a little bit later when he gets home, he has a little heart-to-heart with his dad while they're playing um, sock basket, sock, sock, to, sock to ball, sock, basket, sock, basketball with socks. I really thought I was in love with Arlene. Dad... Did you get jilted much before you met Mom? Yes. Dashing as I was, I did. I remember once I was working in Seattle. I went head over heels for a girl, and she dumped me. Oh, I walked around for days afterwards in the rain. Finally, I got pneumonia. Pneumonia? You really must have loved her. Oh, yes. That plus the fact that when she dumped me, she also stole my raincoat. Richard, you got hurt tonight, hmm? but hurt can teach you a lesson. To not get hurt again? No. It teaches that you can live with hurt. You know, growing up is a painful experience, but when you're all grown, you always want to do it all over again. Well... Darlene didn't steal my coat. 
always been a better philosopher than a basketball player. And Richard, don't worry about this guy, Pansy. Uh, his name's Potsy. Whatever. If he's really your best friend, he'll be back. Good night, son. Hooray, Richie's going to be all right. He and Potsy had a bit of a uh, kind of a breakup earlier due to Arlene and Potsy not being invited over to watch TV, which is slightly odd. Uh, I'll talk about that in a moment. But uh, And so the episode ends with he, uh, Richie talks with his dad and then Potsy comes back in and, and they, as friends, they make up. And it ends with the dad. The only thing the dad is able to get on the TV is the test pattern and the... It's about midnight or so, and the station signs off, God Bless America Plays. And the episode, or the segment, ends with Richie and his dad standing to attention in front of the TV as the camera kind of pulls back into a hallway. I've seen a few Love American-style episodes, and they're not really my cup of tea. Uh, They are... I I guess, like... Because it started in, what, like, 69, I think? It feels like an offshoot of kind of like a laughing kind of thing. Not quite, but sort of that same sort of like we're hip kind of kind of realm. Although that theme song is 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 um, not hip. Uh, not, not that I'm the, the the maestro of hip, the arbiter of hip. But yeah, that theme song. But but Love American Sound never really did it for me. In theory, I'd love it because I love anthology shows and I love say like um. Oh gosh, yeah, this is around the time of Night Gallery, which, you know, had the hour-long shows with all the different segments and stuff, which I adore, and the the mid-80s Twilight Zone, and I like that kind of stuff. But this this never really did much for me. However, I find this episode to be charming enough. I think... Okay, well, it's it's not particularly funny, and the way Arlene treats Richie isn't very nice, but... I mean, there's there's a there's a weird conversation with Richie and Potsy talking about when Rich, Richie uh, Potsy keeps sneaking him through Richie's uh, bedroom window, and they they're sitting there talking. They begin they're talking about how one of their um, Mrs. Nofsinger or something like that. She's she's got a D cup, and you know Arlene is stacked. Then I guess this is. I don't know. You know, I'm sure I talk like this with my friends. Uh, and and there's there's things like, yeah, she's stacked in the D cup. And uh, and do you know that Chesty Morgan had a, a Q cup or a double P cup? Yeah, I looked up D cup on, on Boobapedia. And uh, D cups are, um, are, are, I guess back in the day, D cup was the huge thing. But D cup isn't as, um, it's not as outrageous as it was then. And I don't even know if it was as outrageous in 72 as it would have been whenever this is set. So, yeah, they get this chat about the gals and then they go to the diner and they, they, they meet up with Arlene. And it's very, it's very, like, it really is. It's an anthology show, so it's really kind of like hitting you in like the punching you like it's going. It's like grabbing you around the waist and punching you like in your undercarriage and going, this is the 50s, this is the 50s. Sort of like the way... Uh, the early Laverne and Shirley episodes did. H- Happy Days itself will do this, but I was re-watching the first season of Laverne and Shirley a few years ago. I thought, whoa, they are really pushing the fact that this is the 50s. I mean, it's like, we got it. Carry on. But they really put... And this does it too. And I'll talk about that in a moment. I just want to finish sort of um, uh, my thoughts on the, the, the segment itself. 
And that's that it's okay. It introduces everyone well. I mean, this was technically meant to be a pilot for a show called The New Family in Town. Uh, although I don't specifically see why the Cunninghams are the new family. Uh, but, it, it, yeah, it was meant to be a pilot, but it wasn't picked up. And we'll, we'll talk more about that at the end of this segment before we go all the way. That's the first Happy Days episode. We're not going all the way right here. That's a different podcast altogether, folks. There's there's a lot going on in this this episode because they really are every everything yeah from um, Richie saying we're going to what is it H E double L toothpicks. I always thought it was hockey sticks, but H E double L toothpicks, and it and the the, the opening scan over the stuff in Richie's room and it, it really is sort of like it's the early 50s and the great the TV thing was great because if this uh, it was around 53, 54 I believe when uh, TV surpassed radio finally and it was due to shows like I Love Lucy and shows like Dragnet and the game shows that were coming in like $64,000 question that was the sort of thing that did it what is it like at 1950 9% of American homes had TVs and by 1960 90% of them did and um, yeah so so having the first TV in the block is great and it's it's a it's a fun scene when everyone's there like um uh someone's mother either mr c or mrs c's mother is there and jackie coogan is there as an uncle and there's an african-american gentleman who's the mailman which which brings up the uh, marion there's a colored man sitting in my chair oh the 50s and and it's it's and, and it, i do like um that Joni brought the mailman because she's kind of the only friend he has who can stay up that late which i thought was was nice and so you get all the people crammed into the room and it seems like I'm thinking of what is it the uh, uh, the Idiot's Lantern episode of Doctor Who with um, uh, uh, the Queen's coronation where they cram everyone in excited about watching the coronation. The episode itself is like I said, it's not it's not terrifically funny. It's it's a bit too many like they're torpedoing too many references and things at you. I mean, I guess the bit with Richie and Arlene, I recognize stuff like that. I have been, uh, like, in high school and college going out on dates with gals and realizing at some point during the date that even though I might be nuts about her, she isn't terribly interested in me at all. And someone's going to have to let someone down easy. And Arlene, uh, I guess Arlene doesn't do it too great. She gives Richie a little kiss, then says, I'm going out with Eddie Bazinski. And then and then goes in the room. I mean, the, it's such an awkward scene. Like they're standing outside this doorway of this in this apartment, and Richie keeps leaning on the doorbell, and the mock keeps opening. Her mock keeps opening the door, and then at one point he leans on the door, and it flies open. And they're trying to do that to keep you from the fact that um, Richie's going to get zonked. It actually, it's it's funny the the way it works. Although this is slightly different, um, but the, but what it reminded me of this will be a few years later is so so Richie is leaving, going down the steps, and she says something like Richie, that was, you're a pretty good kisser, and he has a look on his face like whatever, and then you see him kind of walking around, walking by sorts of um, like um, New York City street kind of um, uh, back lots kind of thing, like you'd see at Warner Brothers and such, and, and or in Laverne Shirley. Um, and he sees like a couple making out, and he's like, "Oh gosh, I'm sad." That actually reminded me of. And he comes home, and his and Mrs. C is like, "Oh, Richie, you're late." And he was like, "Yeah, I just went walking." That actually reminded me of that one early Eight Is Enough episode where Willie Ames's character is taking a gal to the prom or something, and then she ends up going with another guy, and then he just ends up spending his whole night walking, and then ends up talking to uh, Grant Goodeve about it. 
Um, but it's it's but, but that's fun because that's that's from 78 79 I think 78 and this is uh, this is 72 set 20 years or so earlier so it's nice to know that I hate to say like straight white guys have these same problems but I you know I've had these problems too but but I think they're just love problems they have so yeah and it's it's a, it's a pretty good time like i said it's not particularly funny but it, it's a good sort of setup and it introduces this world now the world is a little vague you get the character of chuck who was the older brother played by rick carrot who is away at college and is questioning his belief in god mr c is played by harold gould the great uh, harold gould who you know from you know him from stuff you'll know him the moment you see him and of course marion ross is is um mrs c and Joni. well this isn't our Joni. this this Joni is a little blonde girl and named Susan, uh, well, her, her her the actress's name Susan, uh, and uh, but she doesn't really do much. She doesn't have the sort of sass that Joni has, and um, so that she's kind of it's it's everything's kind of vague except for Richie Potsy, maybe Mister C, in this. So you know, it is what it is. It's kind of a fun charmer. It's if it was meant to be a pilot, it's a decent sort of hey, look at this. At, at a time when shows were very much, you know, like the, the Norman Lear shows, they were shot on video, they were cheap, they had a crowd who laughed your butt off whenever you're, ah, they're constantly going crazy, and they were topical, and they were like pushing into your face, and then you had shows like a Mary Tyler Moore, soon like a like a Bob Newhart show, or Odd Couple, which were, I, I, I don't want to say sophisticated, but they were shot on film, and they weren't as loud. They could be, but, but they weren't. They were a little, I, I not not smarter written, but they were a different kind of show, and and but you didn't have stuff like this at that time. You didn't go back to the fifties at this time because everything hadn't quite collapsed yet with Nixon and such. But that was bordering on it. Now, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna bring up fifties stuff with this. The opening you you start off you see a shot of a radio and it's playing like big band, slow big band music. So, uh, yeah, we, we're not at rock and roll yet. Although everyone's grooving pretty good at, um, at the, the diner that they're at. I wonder why Richie doesn't have that playing. Although having said that, Richie walks into the room and we see the radio before he walks in. So this could be just the, the actual music playing. Is it diegetic versus... I forget what it is. I'll, I'll come back to you with what it's called. You know you, you know what I mean, folks. The music that's playing on screen that they can hear versus music that only we can hear. Diegetic. And I'll, get, I'll get back to you. I just thought of that now. But then you pan over to a pinup gal who very, looks like a very World War II sort of pinup gal in a bikini. Then you see um, you see a Harry, uh, picture of Harry Truman. You see an Ike and Nixon button. Uh, you see a couple of different books. You see From Here to Eternity. Uh, what else do you see? You see um, uh, the Amboy Dukes. And uh, a few other... Everything basically screams at you, this is the early 50s. And trying to put it together in my mind, I was trying to piece it together when it was. Now, From Here to Eternity came out in 51. So this is after 51. There's no rock and roll playing on the TV. No one's mentioned I Love Lucy. By 55, lots of people had TVs. It wasn't a wasn't quite a only first person in the neighborhood kind of thing. So I'm looking at it, and I am saying that we are... My first thought for when this was set was that we were in the fall of 52. Simply because, is that... Who's LaMotta? What someone says as they're watching the fight, who's LaMotta? That would be Jake LaMotta. 
and Jake LaMotta f- had a whole bunch of fights in 52. But then he didn't have any in 53, and then he had a... I guess it could be 54, but I'm calling it 52. And I'm calling it 52 because of the pins and Truman. You, he has the Truman Truman um, left office. Well, he, you know, he his his time was up in January '53 when when Eisenhower, boom, took over, and so having the Ike and Nixon pin, and the Truman thing up. That's funny because Truman was a Democrat. Ike, Ike and Nixon, that that's Republican. So I, I guess it's, I mean, p- part of me is thinking like that would be someone in like the some summer of 2016 with a big Obama poster but then a make America great hat or something like that but I don't think it was as different then or it could have been I'm I politics hurts my head sometimes so I try to keep out of it but so seeing Truman up there says to me that Truman's still uh, in office so it's before January 53 it's Milwaukee well we don't actually they don't actually fully say where it is we, it will be Milwaukee later but there's no snow and everything, and Richie's able to just walk out with the light jacket. So to me, it's spring or fall of whatever year it is. I thought it was probably fall because he had the, the pin out for Ike and Nixon anticipating the uh, election, which he wouldn't have been able to vote in anyways in, in a couple of months. But he, he could have had out earlier. And looking at Jake LaMotta's fights for 52, he only had one in the second half of 52, and that was New Year's Eve. So that wouldn't have been it. But he has a fight here. He had a fight in March, April, March 5th, April 9th, May 21st, all in Detroit. So I'm guessing some of those might have popped up on TV. I'd like to think it was May 21st, which is my birthday. At that time, I would have been minus 21. Happy negative 21st birthday to me. I'm delightful. Uh, But so I'm going to say that we are in the spring of 52 when this is happening, which is a few years before the show itself begins. The the show itself is is steeped in rock and roll and such, which would put it at like 55, 50s. Well, we'll talk about that when we get to that. Um, But yeah, this this is definitely definitely sort of pre-rock and roll hitting. Uh, And so I'm calling this spring of 52. And yeah, it, it definitely like it pushes in your face. This is this is this, this is that. And it's very charming. It's, uh, it's yeah, Pots, Potsy's interesting here because he's very different from the Potsy we're going to get used to. This Potsy, this Potsy, like, at the at the end of the episode when he comes back into the window at, like, midnight, he's got a beer with him. He somehow got into a bar. He picked up two gals. It's like, this is Potsy? And then that, that begs the question, when you see Potsy coming through the window, we're used to them, the Cunninghams living in this big house in the suburbs. And so when Potsy sneaks in the window, he's, we'll discuss geography of the house later, which is a tricky subject in the Cunningham home. Uh, but, but presumably Potsy is going up on a tree or on a porch or, 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 or an overhang or something like that and getting in the window. But here they're in an apartment. I mean, it's, it's, when you see the house, it's like you, you when you when you when you're behind the TV, you're looking at the living room. There's a door on the right that goes to the kitchen, and then you go into a hallway directly to the left. There's the door in and out of the apartment because Richie comes in when Chuck goes out, and there are like three or four doors, and Richie goes into one of the doors, which is presumably his room, which is at the back of the house. Now maybe Potsy somehow. I mean, those things are—they're packed up. They're right up up against each other, and, and and it's like I'm dying to know how Potsy 
what parts he's... I mean, maybe he's on the other side of them, and he's able to come across the back way. I don't, I, I don't fully understand how Potsy gets in that window. If you folks know the layout of this, um, like I said, it's not a house. They're in some sort of apartment-y type thing. And, uh, which was weird. I didn't actually, I've watched it three or four times in the past. And this was the first time I tweaked to the fact that, wait a minute, Richie walks in from, walks in, Chuck says goodbye and leaves. Marion closes the door. Richie says, I was out walking, and he goes like 20 feet through a door, and presumably that's his bedroom. This is an apartment, like the sort of thing that Arlene lives in. Hmm, okay, well, maybe, you know what, it's not going to matter, because the next time we'll see them, they will be in the Cunningham home. All right, so let's, uh, I guess that's that's the Love America-style episode here. It's definitely worth watching. Like I said, if you're a fan of the show, it's definitely worth watching, but I would like to... Um, uh, hop on now. Well, let, let me give me one moment. I was just looking at my notes, and I just want to say that Arlene plays viola, Richie plays the bass drum, and at one point, Mister C calls Potsy Pansy. Is your is your friend Pansy coming over? So, all right, the the sixteen year old grown up and getting the television set in nineteen fifty two. So what happened here was. Uh, that yeah, the 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 network wasn't interested. This just wasn't the thing at that time. You know, they they just purged like a year ago. They purged all the rural shows. By this point, yeah, this is the last season for Bonanza. I think Bonanza was gone by this point, or it was about to go. So it was it was sort of like a whole new world. It was it was modern. We had all the great seventies TV movies were rolling in, and it was all about now. It was all about what was happening now. Hopping back to. 20 years before wasn't really a thing. I, like I said, Gunsmoke was still there, but Gunsmoke, some shows... I mean, this was the year My Three Sons ended. My Three Sons kind of moved itself into the 70s, but it, not maybe not in a great way. Uh, so, so yeah, this this was not picked up. But then what happened? Obviously, in 73, George Lucas makes his, his film American Graffiti. He has Ron Howard star in it. And it's huge, and it's big, and suddenly the tide is changing, and Watergate, and uh, uh, just all the st- all the great stuff that seemed to be happening in the '60s was kind of sliding down the wall, and things were changing, and people were changing, and it was just like things were things were becoming very different. So looking back to a perceived golden age was on the cards, and so they went back to Gary Marshall. And they said, hey, hey, you want to do that show and the thing you did there? Maybe ask Ron Howard if he'll come back? And Gary Marshall was like, no. No, I'm kidding. Gary Marshall was like, oh, heck yeah. Yeah, come on. And I'd just like to read you a brief uh, snippet from an interview with Gary Marshall. All right, I've got, I've got, <laughs> I've got, I've got a wonderful book that I wish this gentleman had done again and again and again. Uh, maybe I could do again and again and again, but I don't think it would have the same sort of uh, oomph that it did. Oh, my copy is from the California Polytechnic State University. Uh, Cal, Poly Slo- Cal Poly Kennedy Library. The last time it was taken out from the library was 1990. Good gravy. All right, sorry, sorry. Here, Here's, here's what I'm looking at. I am looking at the wonderful... Televisions, One Season in American Television, Mark Elliott, 1983. 
basically what it does is it covers in depth super in depth the 1981 to 1982 season of american television and this was a time when cable was sort of beginning and vcrs were appearing in the moral majority was big and he has an interview with gary marshall when he has a, has an interesting thing where he asks him about the moral majority and and mr marshall says most of my shows have been on on for a number of years uh, when I heard that Happy Days was being investigated by the moral majority, my answer then was that if you checked the country and took a survey, my feeling would be that Happy Days was much more moral than Jerry Falwell, which I like very much. And and it's it's a really interesting uh, interview that goes through a lot of a lot of different stuff. And you get things. What, what is it here? It's um uh uh. Let's see. When Happy Days was so big, it gave a lot of people the opportunity to think back to the period of the fifties. It gave them peace. It made them less nervous. A lot of sociologists have written about happy days. It calms people down. I remember one sociologist writing. Uh, and then time time in history, and this, this will relate to how it got picked up. Time in history is an important factor in a show's success. Happy days came at a perfect time in history. Had happy days opened in the 60s, it would have died. It opened right at the 70s when people wanted something nice. Don't give me a headache. I have it already. It, it all ends here. This this is always interesting to me because when you look at stuff, you see American Graffiti, which I really like. I um, yeah, I really like it. I haven't watched it in a while, but I, I quite like it. I mean, it's it's kind of an adorable film. Is that the way to describe something like American Graffiti? Adorable? Like that's I sound like my, I sound like almost every like um, woman I've worked with in accounting in an office. Oh, that's adorable. Mm, that's adorable. Uh, sorry, sorry, every lady I've worked with, y'all. I, I love y'all. But American Graffiti comes out in 73, and then at the start of 74, Happy Days comes out. And to me, in my mind, it was always like, of course, it's TV following the groove. You know, like BJ and the Bear following um, Clint Eastwood and every which way you can, any which way but loose, every which way but all those, and, and Convoy and CBs and everything, Smokey and the Bandit. The last question he asks, uh, Mr. Elliot asks Mr. Marshall, is one final question. Which really came first? American Graffiti or Happy Days? Marshall, Happy Days. They took the pilot I made for Happy Days, which is part of the Love American Style series, looked at it, cast Ronnie Howard because he was the star. The network didn't buy the series. They said nobody cares. Then the movie, American Graffiti, was released, and Grease was also smashed on Broadway. The network came back and said, let's put it on. It bothered me a while. George Lucas was mad at me because he felt I cut the movie. I did beat him into the little towns with the show, but we're all friends now. So, I recommend this book highly, folks. I, I may reference it again, maybe sometime from now, but um, Televisions. One Season of American Television by Mark Elliott. It's obviously completely and long out of print. And sadly, it's only like um, uh, like 175 pages. I could have, I would, I would have taken a double size. But, but yeah. So, so, so now, now we're here. Now we're here. American Graffiti comes out. It comes out in summer of '73 and is big. And obviously, four years from that point, George Lucas would release another big summer film. And when I do my Galactica cast, we will be discussing that. I'm probably not going to do a Galactica cast. Actually, now that I said that, Galactica, Battlestar Galactica was on for one season. Uh, Galactica 1980 was on for half a season. Eventually, Super Train, baby. What, what was I saying? Oh yeah, so yeah, they they went to the network. Uh, they went to Gary Marshall. Says, oh my God, we want this show. We want Ronnie. I love that he's Ronnie, Academy Award winning director Ronnie Howard. Hi, Ronnie. 
and they said let's make this show and let's let's dive in folks as i as i mentioned at the beginning this episode is longer than the other ones will be because we're discussing three things and we're starting everything off but what's going to happen now is boom january 15th 1974 directed by mel ferber written by rob reiner and philip mishkin gary marshall the episode all the way and we are going to there are kind of two versions of this episode that exist, and we'll talk about that as we get into it. But let's let's um, listen to this. One, two, three o'clock, four o'clock, rock. Five, six, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, rock. Nine, ten, eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock, rock. We're gonna rock around the clock tonight. Put your flat bags on, join me home. Apologies to everyone right here. See, some of these episodes are... I'm hoping to have some sound clips up for some of these episodes, but the ones that are actually on DVD proper, like seasons one through six, might be a little tricky because the, the DVDs don't allow themselves to having the audio pulled, at least from my standpoint. So I apologize, but there, I mean, it's, it's happy days. The set is out. It's easy to get season one. It's a really nice three disc set. As far as I know, they pretty much got the rights to everything because they went kind of hog wild when they made the show. So yeah, it's the 16 episodes and we're going to start here with all the way. This one's pretty straightforward. And I'll, I, I hate to qualify things, but I think in these first few episodes, things are going to get qualified until we get in the swing of it. I'm going to try to cover everything I want to cover with this. I'm also not uh, going to allow it, or try not to allow it, to become a half an hour or 40 minutes of me talking about this 25, 26 minutes of television. So I'm going to try to keep it calm, keep it cool. So we got Happy Days. The basic premise is that we get Richie and Potsy, who we saw uh, in... Uh, the basic premise is we get Richie and Potsy, same Richie and Potsy from... Uh, the Love American Style episode. Um, they're hanging out, and they're still kind of the same way. Potsy's like, oh, these gals, check these gals out. Mm, aren't they something? And Richie's a little bit more demure. And Potsy gets uh, Richie a date uh, with a gal named Mary Lou Milligan, um, a very sweet, sweet blonde gal, who apparently goes all the way. And Potsy has all kinds of plans and everything. Like, he's got a copy of Mickey Spillane's I, the Jury, published in 47, which uh, Richie is going to read some of the hotter, steamier scenes from to her. And he's got things like, when you sit down, put this arm around her and blow into her ear. When she plays with her hair, that means she wants the French kiss. You know, and, and these, these, these scenes where, um, uh, like, uh, there's a scene in the bathroom in Arthur's. That's the diner they're at in this one. It's not Arnold's. It's Arthur's, where like Potsy sneaks in a bra so they can work on unhooking, the, undoing the hooks from the back. And it's very, um, Potsy is very much like, get in there, Rich, you're going to do it. You know what goes on here. And Richie's like, yeah, of course I do. But you know that Richie doesn't. And you're possibly uh, positive that, that Potsy doesn't either. And, and the, the gist of it is that, yeah, he goes and stays with Mary Lou, who's a very nice gal, but she doesn't, the reputation she has is simply a reputation. And they end up, they smooch a bit, but then they end up having chess and it becomes, he kind of tells all the gals, the day, uh, the guys, the guys that he was with her, 
the day day after the date that they kind of went all the way and then he has to tell them no we didn't and it's 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 uh it's it's basically you know kind of a straightforward trying to go all the way not going all the way and then cut it's like a like about a, a 20 or 30 1980s tna comedies but it's yeah, that, that's sort of uh, sort of what it is. It's Richie not going all the way and then not being able to sort of fess up to the fact that he didn't until later. And luckily, though, Mary Lou is kind of used to it and doesn't particularly care in a scene that's a little gross. But we'll, we'll talk about that later. So that's the very basic premise of the episode. And I would like to, and this is going to sound a little strange, if any of you have listened to any of my minute-by-minute podcasts where I cover horror movies, uh, generally horror movies right now, occasionally I will go through a minute, scene by scene, bit by bit. I didn't mean to do that with Happy Days, but I realized the thing with Happy Days is that the opening credits last about a minute and a half, and of all kinds of different scenes, most of which, or maybe all of which, I will find out as we go, don't actually, they're just shot for the uh, opening montage they're not they're not four episodes so the episode begins with you see a record being placed down like in jukebox record being placed down as happy days the the um what is it norman gimbal charles fox i believe sorry you can hear my notes change it there was i took so many notes on this it was two pages it was norman gimbal charles fox happy days song but it's actually a 1954 recording of bill haley and the comets rock around the clock that's playing happy days the song happy days uh, rocking all week with you is in the closing credits and we will change as time goes on but in this season rock around the clock opens up the show as it should so it's 1954 and so what i'm going to do is you see a bunch of shots of like jukebox displays and, and turn turn tables and things like that and what i'm going to do is i just want to take you through because you see starring ron howard co-starring marion ross anson williams hooray tom bosley is mr c so yeah tom bosley replaces um previous Mr. C, and um, is it O'Hurley, I believe is his name? Grant O'Hurley replaces Rick Carrot as Chuck, and uh, um, Aaron Moran is now Joni, but we'll talk about that in a moment. So the episode begins with, uh, well, the episode doesn't begin with, this montage of scenes as the song is playing, you see Richie in uh, the mirror combing his hair. That's how it starts off. Good, good slick back hair, and Potsy's combing his hair. I think, yeah, they're in the uh, Arthur's bathroom, which will become Arnold's. And then you see another guy combing his hair, and then that's that's what guys did. There's actually a thing uh, later on where um, the Fonz, that's the first mention of the Fonz. I'm sorry, yes, the Fonz first appears in this episode. We'll, we will talk about the Fonz. He doesn't do much in this episode, but kind of lurk on the sidelines, so we'll get to him later. But there's a great one where the Fonz has the comb, and he's, he's about to comb his hair and he goes hey and, you know and he uh, doesn't quite do that but he, he pockets the comb and i think that was henry winkler said something like that the network wanted him to comb his hair but he thought if i go in there and i'm i'm supposed to be kind of like a half hoodlum and i start combing my hair that's going to make, make me even more of a hoodlum so let's just make it where my hair is too perfect it doesn't need to get combed and the first moment here is that great classic shot where you see um it's a couple at the drive and they're seeing the tin star and a gal gets her wig pulled off by a convertible opening up, which is, you know, sad for everybody. And then you get, oh, of course, the classic scene with Richie and Potsy at a date, and they put their arms around their gals, but they put their hands on each other's hands and then snatch them away. <laughs> and then you get the um, the gal at 
Arthur's or Arnold's uh, with all the, the sodas and the, and the burgers on the tray going out to the police car. Patsy and Richie wave hello and she drops everything on the cops. And they are not the guys from Adam 12. But I will say that the, the guy who gets all the ice cream and everything on his face, he's got a great, he's got a want want look. But look at the guy behind him. He's it just his mouth is hanging open. <laughs> he's just got this great like, huh? What happened there? And then it all ends with uh, Ralph Malf, who we haven't properly met yet, and we'll only meet briefly here, leaning over to kiss a gal, and they both fall out of the car because her door is open. And then Potsy and Richie start laughing, and it freeze frames on created by Gary Marshall and executive producers Thomas L. Miller, Edward K. Milkus, and Gary Marshall. So the, the episode doesn't hit us as full-on as the Love American style does with sort of, this is the 50s, but it does sort of, slather us in the 50s uh very much i mean obviously rock around the clock um you get uh a lot of songs there are a lot of songs in this and i'll try to let me go through some of the songs because this is interesting trying to piece together when the episode is set uh either jury was written 47 they don't mention the movie from 53 but they but they are rocking rocking and rolling which to me says it's post 55 and they also mention that alaska wants to be a state and it was that would be make it pre fifty eight when uh, Congress uh, allowed it in as a state, and it it became a state at the start of January fifty nine. So this is between to me it's between fifty five and like mid fifty eight. But when you look at some of the songs, um, also they mentioned seatbelts, and seatbelts kind of became a common thing circa nineteen fifty eight. But they really don't know when they start talking about seatbelts. No one kind of really knows what they are. So. I, I to me I say it's 56. I say it's 56 because we get what do we get? We get How High the Moon, the Les Paul Mary Ford version from 51. Let's see what else do we get? We get Pretend from Nat King Cole which is 53. We get yeah obviously Rock Around the Clock uh 54. We get oh they mention um Potsy mentions when Richie goes on the date with Mary Lou, uh, play My Prayer by the Platters, which is 56. And then you hear the harp tones, Life is but a dream, which is 55. To me, however, I would say that the, the thing that shouts uh, rock and shouts this is that time period, is they seem to be listening to Elvis Presley's Hound Dog when they go into the diner at one point. And that was 56. I'm calling this 56. And did you notice, too, I, I, I sort of, that whenever they cut to Richie at home with his family, it always just cuts to them in a room, in the dining room or in the um, in the bathroom. It doesn't, you don't see, much like with Love America Style, you don't see the exterior. You don't see whatever it's supposed to be that they're in, and it's clearly a house because it's there's 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 a big dining room and there's a big kitchen and there's a big bathroom. So this I think is much more expansive than the apartment that they were in, the Love American style. When we'll know as we go. So uh, what is next? I guess we'll talk Richie's family real quick. The only uh, one who's the same is obviously Marion Ross as as Mrs. C. And she's she only she only gets a brief uh, moment, but she's she's the same kind of mom. And then you meet Mr. C. Howard, who uh, the you know he gets some great uh, side remarks, uh, little little snide, side snide dad style remarks at dinner. And uh, Chuck is there, not very bright as we've known. And and then Joni's there. It's a new Joni. It's Aaron Moran. And 
I do know, I saw it about a year ago, but I lost my copy. I know that the original version of this episode for the network was slightly extended and had, not by much, I mean, it's not like you're, you're, you know, it's not, it's not like, uh, it's a mad, 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 mad world, the theatrical and the full length version, or even Rotor, it's, it's video version and the theatrical version, but it was slightly different. The main thing being that the Joni, it's a different Joni in the original version, uh, but Joni's only in the, the dining room scene, so they kind of reshot it so they could put Joni and Aaron Moran in some of the shots and she's great she's there in a that pink Joni dress and she's being sassy and it's it's super fun so that's his family we don't see them much we do get sort of at the end after Richie has kind of said Mary Lou and he him went all the way there is a scene in the bathroom where Richie's taking a really hot shower we has he has a chat with his dad which kind of solidifies you know you go to your your dad and he tells you everything's going to be all right and uh, more or less he does that he talks about Milton Berle a lot actually they're 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 watching um some milton burl which actually kind of for me put it a little earlier in the 50s but um ah yeah hickeys you know i was going to talk ralph malf's hickey but i just i just checked it out because it was bothering me texaco dropped its sponsorship at texaco star theater milton burl show in 53 and uh, marion's outside the door um you know, saying, uh, oh, uh, Mil- he, you know, Milton Burl's kissing the men from Texaco. Well, that would put him back in 1953. So that's slightly tricky. I don't think they were showing the reruns. I just think of Back to the Future there. Oh, I saw it on a repeat or rerun or whatever Marty saw. The Spaceman episode of The Honeymoon or something. And so that's that's a bit of a weird thing. I didn't think about that with the dating with Milton Berle. Yeah, that the Milton Berle seems to imply that it's 1953, which would put it way before pretty much all of the music in here, except the Les Paul, Mary Ford. What else is going on? There's a strange scene. I don't know. I thought it was a bit of a strange scene. Richie is prepping in Arthur's bathroom, restroom, to go to the date. And Patsy comes in with something underneath his his shirt, and it's a bra. And so they kind of talk about bras for a while, and they put a bra on a radiator, and the Fonz comes in. That's when he looks at his hair. He's like, hey, and the Fonz kind of like snaps the bra off, the hook's in the back, no problem. I had a problem, I will admit, when I was in high school, and I encountered bras with the hooks in the back. But I I, I figured it out eventually. I, I'm fairly skilled with that. But the thing about that scene that, that strikes me as really odd is that the Arthur's restroom has one stall. Um, so that's it. You, you basically get a radiator and a stall. There are no urinals or anything. I, I didn't stop to look up when the urinal was invented, but I feel like there should have been one there, but there's a stall. So that means if you're actually there to go to the, you know, do your business, you're in the stall. Watch Potsy as he walks in. So Richie's there kind of grooming himself. Potsy walks in, looks around surreptitiously, goes to the stall, peers over the door, and then turns to Richie and starts talking. No, 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 Potsy, you do not do that. That stall is a sacred place. If I'm sitting in there, I don't want someone walking in and peering over in at me. I'm not sure what you think that was you did. That's weird to me. There are a few moments in this episode that strike me as weird. The gym teacher... Mr. Brockington or something like that, who tells um, uh, Mary Lou that she's stacked and tries to grab her shirt, uh, and they laugh it off, uh, is, 
I hope Mary Lou turns out okay, is all I'm saying. And he, even, even Richie, when he goes, he starts kissing with her, and she says she likes kissing, so they start kissing. But then he immediately, because Potsy said it, he immediately grabs the back of her dress to undo her bra. And she's she's like, what are you doing? And even I was like, Richie, what are you, what are you doing? You know, I'm not... You know, when I was 16, uh, or junior in high school, 16 to 17, you know, I knew that if I was smooching with a gal... Uh, you did not reach to take the bra off unless the, it was presented to you. And I don't mean to make that sound like a horrible thing, but it's like, you know, you don't, like, you, you know, I'm not, you know, if I'm smooching a gal and she's got a shirt on or something, you know, I'm not reaching around there going, ah, what's going on back here? No, you don't do that. That's not the nice thing to do. If if someone says, you know, hey, you know, here, you know, here, here, it's my bra, you know, then, then you, 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 you know, you you see what you do next. You take it step by step. You don't listen to some, something like someone like Potsy says, and then treat that as scripture, especially when you know how dumb Potsy will become as this series goes on. I like Mary Lou quite a bit. Uh, Richie is okay. This I actually like Mary Lou a little bit more. This might be a problem as we go through the series. Potsy at this point is kind of annoying and skeezy. The Fonz is very vague. You know, it's implied that he's kind of, you know, he's kind of a bad boy, you know, dropout kind of thing. And it's with a great moment where Richie's in the shower and says to his dad, well, I told everyone, including Fonzie. What's a Fonzie? And all I can think of is uh, years later, The Simpsons. What's a Chachi? Yeah, the Fonz just kind of lurks around on the sidelines, kind of like looking for gals to mack on. I think his first line, he doesn't have a lot of lines, but his first line is when the Fonz pulls up after, and Richie goes to tell him that he and Mary Lou didn't go all the way, he says, we played chess. And and I believe the Fonz's first line in Happy Days is, you played with her chest? Whew, this is Benny Hill or Happy Days? I guess... I guess those are happy days. But yeah, that seems to be the Fonz's first line. He doesn't have a lot to do in this one. And and, and he's actually got a date with Mary Lou. And he, he looks a few years older than everyone else. So I'm not 100% sure why he's hanging around there. It doesn't matter in the end because the Fonz is going to become the coolest. But at this point, the Fonz is a little eh, eh. Then uh, I would like to just discuss my thoughts on something related to where this is. This Is this the pilot? Or was the Love American style the pilot? I'm going to talk about that too. And then we will go on to the Lemon, episode two. So let me let me just let me just talk a few more things about this. A few more points. I've got notes, folks. I've got notes. And I, you know, I hate to break the fourth wall. Actually, we're going to be breaking the fourth wall a lot here. But here we go. One of the main secondary characters throughout the show will be Ralph Mouth. We first see him falling out the door with his girl in the credits but then we see him with a hickey he's got a hickey and everyone's like let's look at ralph's hickey and then we look at his hickey and then we see him a little bit later during an interesting moment right i think it's more or less the end of the first act act break and and richie leaves to go see mary lou and potsy finds him finds him kind of standing outside arthur's and he looks a little richie looks a little unsure of himself a little shaken or something like that and eventually he starts walking towards the day and Ralph sees him and says, where are you going, Cunningham or Richie? Or... And Richie says, all the way. And Ralph's like, whoop, and hits his head on the on the hood of the car and it's wacky. But that's that's Ralph. He, he will appear more as we go along. Let's see. I, I'm just looking at my notes here and I got notes like Brazier and Sailor. Oh, yes, apparently Mary Lou went out with a sailor. I think in the end she says that basically these guys all make it up which is kind of nasty but she doesn't seem to particularly care uh and that's 
I hope she's going to be okay. Uh, what else? Where um, Richie lives on Rich Street. I I don't know if that's um a thing. I do like the uh, when they she starts to kiss her. You kiss funny. You kiss with your mouth closed. That was. I you know I never had a gal say that to me, but um, you know I I knew to, I knew to maneuver my mouth. I feel like Richie is very um, a little more stoic than he should be. I guess it's nineteen fifty. I'm gonna say fifty six. I don't care what the Texaco Star Theater said. No, none of that rock and roll would have been playing in fifty three. Yeah. So uh, let's see what else is there. Um, oh, we we hear about Aunt Bessie. I don't know if we ever meet Aunt Bessie. A pair. Of, apparently a terrible aunt that they're all going to see the Cunninghams that uh, nobody really likes I do like uh, uh, Mary Lou's line I like to kiss which is which is I think kind of a sweet line and yeah I think uh, I think I think that's kind of uh, um, about I do I do really like when uh, he goes to see Mary Lou she's babysitting for a family called the Kellys and he's so nervous when he walks in he says oh this is a really nice place and she just kind of looks at him and says I don't live here which is which is great, but let's let's talk something. So I'm trying to figure out the history of this. I've looked it up online. I've listened to some interviews. I've read some interviews. I read you guys an interview. According to Gary Marshall, the pilot was the Love American Style episode, Love in the Television Set that we discussed earlier. And I know it's like they're about four years uh, chronologically. Uh, not not really chronologically, but chronologically in the lives of the Cunninghams and, and Richie and such in between the episodes, even though they haven't aged, which is interesting. Are they going to be like the Simpsons or are they going to age? Who knows? But so, yeah, so Gary Marshall said in an interview conducted around 82, 81, 82, that, um, that, that the Love America South thing was the pilot. And you read that online. You, you read that it was the pilot for a show and it became Happy Days. But then you also read that it was a pilot for a show called New Family in Town, which was rejected. But then because of American Graffiti in Greece, the network said, we want that show with Ronnie Howard in it. And so you hear all these these things. But, but like as I said, Gary Marshall, as the show was still on the air, said that Love American Style was the pilot. I had always thought that All the Way was the pilot. Uh, some of the, some of the, the things... Uh, well, actually... There's one super main thing that makes me say that. Well, well, first off, just look at the episode. The way, apart from Richie and Potsy and somewhat Mary Lou, everyone is sort of in the background. Like, everyone only gets a little bit to do, kind of a little tentative about what all the characters are and where the focus is going to be. It'll be on Richie for most of the first two seasons. The thing about this episode that makes me say that it is a pilot is... I. I Part of, part of this goes back to um, uh, other pilots I you've seen where where um, like the Arthur thing in the next episode it'll become Arnold's and it will stay Arnold's. So the fact that it was Arthur here and that it became Arnold's means to me that there was some kind of time period between. I mean, when they would have been making the episodes, they would have been churning them out. So they wouldn't have gone mm, this week. We'll make it Arnold's. No, it would have been something where like okay, Arthur's doesn't work. And probably because the Fonz was called Arthur, and and Arthur does, let's make it some let's make it Arnold's or something like that, and so it's the change there that that's one thing to me that says it's a pilot just because that's a big change. Another thing is, I really want to say that another thing is the tentative way they introduced the Fonz, it was kind of floating on the outside and not doing too much. They will make him more and more of a character as time goes on, but here he just kind of is a vague 
possible hoodlum floating on the outside. They're not sort of ready to bring him in yet. Um, let's see, what else? Oh, of course, obviously, the fact that, as I mentioned earlier, there were sort of slightly alternate scenes, slightly extended scenes that were cut and trimmed, and the fact that Joni was replaced and they had to reshoot the scene. I mean, to me, a lot of that is... I'm trying to think of a good pilot to use. I guess I guess could use like the doc, the original Doctor Who pilot. The original Doctor Who pilot had um, you know there was a problem with the doors opening and closing of the TARDIS. Uh, they gave the Doctor and Susan gave a bit too much information away when they were talking. Uh, Susan does a weird thing with like a Rorschach test thing instead of the French Revolution book. Um, there there are a few oh Susan has this strange spangly futuristic kind of outfit on and it's it's funny because when Sidney Newman the create well uh, there's a lot of creators of Doctor Who over the years but the guy in charge at that time that well the executive in charge very elaborate well I'm gonna qualify forever but Sidney Newman watched it and said do it again and the changes were made some changes were made to actual scenes like the the scene where they're talking about where they're from and stuff was kind of all excised and made vague and then they sh- made sure that certain like effect like the doors open and closing was gone they put Susan in a more regular 63 1963 clothing and that sort of thing and that to me and so the pilot is a well because of the way they did it they completely recorded it um but but yeah like there's a pilot for Doctor Who and then there's the actual Another Child the first episode but with this episode all my all my love no all the way I was gonna say all my children with this episode all, all my Cunningham children where did Chuck go with this episode all the way there's there's a thing where like they shot the episode and then they went back and they reshot some scenes and they changed an actor in another scene and then they took out a bit of this scene and then they did this and then they did that kind of reconfiguring it for the network and to me to me that sounds like a pilot Gary Marshall didn't say it but there's an interview you can find online of Henry Winkler, who played the Fonz, saying that talking about his audition to be the Fonz for the Happy Days pilot. So here's here's my thought, and I can't. I think it's very Columbo-like in that Columbo, in 1968, there's a two-hour Columbo TV movie, potentially for a show, but Peter Falk wasn't up for it. And then in '70, they went back to him. And they did another two-hour TV movie, which aired in early 71, which was specifically made to be a possible pilot for an upcoming Umbrella program called NBC Mystery Movie. It got picked up, and then it joined the Mystery Movie for the next six years, seven years, um, seven years. Uh, and Happy Day, I'm, I'm, to me, in my mind, the Happy Days is like this, and I probably have some of this wrong, but I would think they did the, the Love American Style segment with the possibility that, yeah, this might be a fun pilot the network said no then american graffiti hit greece hit broadway and they're like yes let's do it we want this give us an episode and we'll have a look at it and and tweak it and fiddle around with it and then hopefully we can go and that that's to me what it feels like it feels it feels like a pilot because it does have these differences and the the big one to me i haven't actually said yet apart from arthur's arnold's but it does feel but it also feels just the fact that the episode is is copyright 74 that could be an error on the dvd but the fact that it aired mid 74 and they were tweaking it around to me sort of says like they shot it showed it to the network the network went right keep making them we just want some tweaks here and there and they did that rather than they sat there and thought do we want this or don't we i think they wanted it they just wanted that first episode to have a few tweaks that would carry on through it 
I could be wrong, but that's the way. That's what it screams like to me. Even even to the fact that like you see, it's written by Gary Marshall, A N D, um, uh, was it uh, Mishkin and and Rob Reiner, and to to me, Rob Reiner ampersand uh, Philip Mishkin means they wrote a version of it. A N D means Gary Marshall wrote a version of it. My guess would be that Gary Marshall wrote a version of it and then handed it over when when the production kind of kicked in, handed it over to those two guys and they finished it up and then they tweaked it went from there. Maybe it's the other way around. I don't know. Maybe 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 Rob and Phil wrote it, gave it to Gary and Gary completely rewrote it to what he wanted. I don't know, but yeah, it's it's sort of uh, seeing that uh, implies to me that this is this is very much it's a pilot per se. I I would say it's it's halfway in between a regular TV pilot and say like the first episode of Green Anchors and Petticoat Junction, which are basically just give us give us episodes. You know, I think this is feels like it's halfway in between that. And the other thing that makes me uh, say, and then I'll wrap this up and we'll go to the lemon, which which hopefully I won't be talking about as long, although I might be. Um, there's okay, two more things, and I'll probably come up with three more before I'm done with these two more. To me, the big thing that makes this unlike to the other episodes and what makes this sort of a pilot per se the closing scene watch the closing scene they're talking and they start talking about Potsy what what kind of girls do you marry or something like that what kind of girl what what are the different kind of girls or something I don't know why Richie keeps asking Potsy for for gal advice this is if if you know the Potsy from like season five or six you'll be thinking Richie why are you asking Potsy for anything he can barely tie his shoe all he can do is sing but so this the um the 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 scene ends and and they start to talk and you could tell it's the end of it because uh because suddenly Potsy's voice is dubbed and so Potsy starts to walk up Potsy, Potsy and Richie walk towards the camera and Rich, uh, Potsy sets his books down on a car and a car drives away and and Potsy and Richie in their Jefferson High jackets go rushing after it and then it cuts to I believe the final shot of the episode Potsy's picking up his book and basically Potsy and Richie walk back onto the um the the school yard place there there're all kinds of kids that look like they're in the 50s running around and having a good time and they start walking and they're talking and then the music starts coming up happy days starts playing and it's fun and then as the camera tracks back and then suddenly cranes up as you see them walking away happy days starts playing and then you start to see directed by mel ferber written by da 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 that's very different from the way the other episodes will go where basically they're all freeze frames and you get the credits and then it goes into the closing credits this is very different unlike all the others, which to me screams pilot. Which to me screams either pilot or final episode, or maybe even like season finale or something. But this is very much, to me, this is very much pilot. Especially the way they're doing it. Like, you see them over on the road. When they're on the road and Potsy's picking up his books, it's just him, him, Richie and Potsy, as this car pulls away. But then as they walk back onto the lawn, suddenly they're like... 30, well, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, maybe 14 or 15 extras kind of strolling all around, kind of giving us the feel that this is 56 or whatever it is. So I do like that. And I I guess the, um, the okay, last things, or at least one last thing. I'm forgetting. I thought I had two, two things after that one thing where I told you I only had two things and then suddenly I have three. 
I, I don't know how much of this we'll be discussing in the episode, but there is something about that Mr. Brockington scene and all the sort of scenes with Mary Lou where these guys are really kind of being, I, I guess, innocent, but slightly gross towards her at the same time. I mean, there is a moment right on, early on in the Love American Style episode, they just, Potsy and Richie talk about the fact that all they think about is sex. So... And so you have to, I, I always wonder at this moment where, so this is 74, this is, yeah, post-women's uh, lib and such, but this is set in like 56, long before that. So I don't quite know, you know, I can look at it from today sort of attitude and think, yeah, the gym teacher shouldn't be grabbing at the 16 or 17-year-old girl. That is completely inappropriate. But it's presented as being kind of charming and sweet and, you know, but she knows it and it's okay. Which seems, I think, like a 50s attitude to me. But this is made in the mid-70s, so I don't... It's... I I guess maybe... You know what? I'm, I'm not going to be solo on this all the time. There There will hopefully be guests at some point on here with me and maybe we can discuss when we get on there because to me it's always weird watching a scene in 2019 as i'm recording this made in 74 that's supposed to be set in 56 the the attitudes are so different and i i mean i'm fairly certain when i would have watched this as a kid probably in the late 70s early 80s i would have been like oh because you know i had a lot of terrible gym teachers they never tried to you know grab my bra but I was knocked down by gym teachers and pushed over and insulted by gym teachers and just called all sorts of names by gym teachers basically bullied by gym teachers but it was kind of like eh, that's that's gym teachers you know for you that's just the way the gym teachers are so I would I would yeah it's it's an interesting atti- ad- attitude when you have to kind of adjust it for not just one time period but two time periods along with the period you're in so I'll, I'll, I'll stop saying that that'll most likely come up more as we go along, especially considering that most of the first two seasons are Richie and Potsy are trying to get laid. So, yeah. So, so let's uh, let's dwell on that for a moment, and uh, let me see if there's anything else. And I think we're I think we're all good to wrap up all the way. I do really feel like there was one more thing I wanted to say, but I'm going to stop talking about all the way right now. And we're going to hop ahead a week. We're going to hop ahead to January twenty second, nineteen seventy four. And we are going to discuss episode two of Happy Days, The Lemon. Well, bless my soul, what's wrong with me? I'm itching like a man on a fuzzy tree. My friends say I'm acting wild as a bug. I'm in love. I'm all shook up. The Lemon, Episode 2 of Happy Days. We are at January 22nd, 1974, written by Dick Bensfield and Perry Grant, directed by Jerry Paris, a name that will live in infamy, at least in Happy Days, and in Police Academy realms. He directed many 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 episodes of happy days not quite like richard albert with green acres but almost as much and of course you directed police academy three and four we might talk about that some other time that's my police academy podcast that's a completely different thing let's talk about the lemon 
the lemon. Well, first off, let me say that now we are at Arnold's. It's no lot right at the beginning. Actually, when you see the written by credit, you see we are at Arnold's. It's not as epic as Arthur's was. It looks like it's um, had the top leveled off it or something like that. And it looks like maybe um, I'm, I'm just I'm just actually looking at it right here. It looks like maybe you can see like the um, the uh, the Hollywood Hills or, or some sort of hills directly behind it. Um, but having said that, uh, that is Arnold's. Yeah, it looks like there's one of the hills there. They must have moved the set and put it somewhere else in the uh, on the on the, on the back lot there. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, so so we're at Arnold's and there's burgers and pizzas and fries and you know the the gals come out and they put the thing on the your window and they you know with the thing and the food in the in your mouth. So this episode is basically it begins with Richie and Potsy are at Arnold's and they're hanging out and they're in uh, Mr. C Mr. C's car which everyone kind of makes fun of the Fonz laughs at and two gals Trudy and Betty walk by and they laugh at and like oh boy how are we going to get a date for the sock hop I don't know we need our own wheels and then Ralph Malf pulls up in a convertible and he takes Trudy and Betty out of there who knows what he does with them probably hickeys all over his body I don't know but it leaves Richie and Potsy thinking why oh why does it hurt so much to be us and what they do is they they pull their money together they have 175 bucks and although mr c says maybe no maybe get some more money or wait a bit they go and they buy a, a car a real piece of junk a convertible with an eagle on the front of the hood but it's a real piece of junk and it's got a seat that drops back onto the people in the back seats and it doesn't start right and the horn goes off weird and it doesn't run right and they 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 impress trudy and betty with the car at arnold's the car doesn't actually run so they have to make trudy and betty get out go away so they can kind of push the car home the Fonz fixes the car but it doesn't stay fixed for long and they have to put a new battery in it and they only have 19 starts in the battery and they pick Trudy and Betty up and take them to the sock hop but they're so late that the sock hop's already done and then they take them out to I forget what it's called I didn't write it down. I was going to say make out point um, but they go to, to see the submarine races and I know what you're thinking that's the first song off of Robert Pollard's third solo album Kid Marine from 1999 Yes, it is. 20th anniversary. But uh, no, this is the submarine races. This was the mid-50s thing for Let's Go Park and Make Out. And, you know, some making out is done, but the car won't start. And Mr. C is called by one of the um, parents of the gals. I forget which one. I think Betty. And so he goes looking for the guys and meets the Fonz for the first time, which we'll talk about. And I, I guess, I don't know if this is a spoiler, but let's just say that the car ends up in the lake with Trudy and Betty inside it. Wah, wah, the lemon. All right. So this is the lemon. This is the first, I guess, regular episode of the show. Like at the end of this one, well, first off, Chuck's not in it. He's mentioned in, in, in the credits, and you see a picture, you know, an image of him. Uh, you see him in, in the closing credits, but he's not actually in it. So that's kind of a thing that Chuck will now be not here much. But that's the point. Like, Chuck is away at college, so he's only supposed to appear occasionally. But Joni has a great scene, which... <laughs> I'll tell you, I love it. So, so... Uh, the guys are talking about getting a car, getting a car, getting a car, and then it cuts to Mr. C watching Gorgeous George wrestling, and he's on a little Ottoman type 
thingy and Joni is sitting right next to him and it's just really nicely done um I as much as I liked all the way I thought it was pretty good I think this I think Jerry Paris is the one to do this the opening sequence of Police Academy 3 in the parking garage the Mauser and Proctor and those two guys from Police Academy 1 he does good slapstick and there's just a great moment where Mr. C starts to sort of bounce around and like elbows Joni and she goes flying out of frame onto the floor you just hear daddy and it's it's very funny. I know what you think. It's child abuse. No, it in the most beautiful, humorous way. It's, it's very nicely done. It's very, uh, very nicely done scene. And you never sit next to your daddy when he's watching the wrestling. And Mrs. C is there being, you know, as as as, um, as smart as ever. And, uh, yeah, and then the, this episode is interesting because, to me, because the first episode... And the Love American Style really seems to posit this as Richie's story. And this kind of is too. Except that Mr. C gets all the good stuff in it. I think I think he gets the funniest stuff in it. Knocking Joni off the Ottoman or whatever it is. Foot foot rest. Uh, there's a scene where uh, Potsy and and Richie bring the car home, and it's in the in the driveway, and we can see now we are in a house. You know, we 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 were unsure of it. Like they we haven't seen a. It's it's weird. We we haven't seen an exterior of their house. We've been inside it. We get the living room this time, and we get um we see the dining room kitchen. We see that when you walk in the front door, the front door steps you right into the living room. And then if you look down the front door, you look all the way down the back of the house and you go through the dining room and the kitchen where we were last time. And I I always like to think that a good sign that this was made by people in L.A. trying to recreate something in the Midwest or something in the North. I mean, because this is Milwaukee. Milwaukee gets cold. I grew up in Rochester, New York, where it gets cold. And one of the things, like, I, I was just, um, uh, this this is being recorded in late January 2019. A month ago, I was at my mom and stepdad's house in Marion, New York, which is uh, right outside of Rochester, New York. And it's very cold there. And they got a lot of space and there's a lot of cold and the snow and the things and stuff. And when you walk in the front door, there is a huge space there. There's a mat and there's a space to the left where you can take off your shoes and there's a bench that you can sit on and da 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 before you actually get into the dining room, living room area. In the Cunningham's house, you basically walk in the door and stroll in. That doesn't sound strange now, but when we get to the Christmas episode, you'll think, aren't they get because like brushing off like like scraping off your your boots on a mat outside is fine and dandy but it's kind of like you need to hit a, a you need a good mud room and i know what you're thinking dan why are you talking about a mud room during the lemon episode i don't know i don't know that just occurred to me because we see the living room for the first time and we see <clears throat> on the left side of the set you get the stairs going to the upstairs and but we don't actually see the outside of the house we see the side of the house where the garage is where presumably the door when you when you peer all the way down there's a door in the kitchen when we're facing the kitchen and the sink is in the back on the right there's a door that goes to the driveway where the car is and there's a great scene where Mr. C is kind of belittling the car and he's got a great he's got a great line in sarcasm which a dad sarcasm which I love which I always like 
well, uh, I'll talk about this in a minute, but I always sort of like that dad sarcasm thing where like, yeah, I, I'm, I did this when I was your age and I know what's going on and I didn't listen to my dad and you're not going to listen to me. So I can pretty much say whatever thing I want. There's a lot of great lines in that scene. And I, I think it's lovely. Yeah, Mr. Mr. C kind of gets my, my favorite moments in this episode. We'll talk about my favorite moment in the episode in a moment. In a moment. Um, but let me just say that Richie and Potsy's hair, they're so, like, slicked back. There, There's a scene where right after... So Ralph Mouth pulls up, takes the gals away. And it's great because it's like they're making fun of Richie and Potsy's car. And... Um, well, we're going to a place where you guys can't go. Where's that, Ralph? Forward. And they all laugh, and then he immediately backs up his car. I thought, well, maybe that wasn't the best joke, Ralph. He, you know, he, he, you know, we're all going to love Ralph's jokes soon, but he's not the comedian. We, Potsy isn't the Potsy we know yet, and Ralph isn't the Ralph we know yet. But, oh, and I actually have the scene right up here where Mr. C knocks Joni off the the ottoman it's very nicely it's very nicely done because you really don't expect it because it just kind of hops right in <laughs> sorry so where was i so i'm talking the episode let me let me just say this episode priest and the the thing with this episode is we seem to be in 1957 now we have all shook up which is 57 and bye bye love which is 57. So I guess maybe we've hopped ahead a year. Having said that, Richie does say he's 17. And I was thinking he was 16 in the past one. So there's a good chance that maybe some time has passed between them. But so Richie is 17, and I'm going to say, I guess we're 1957 now. Hello, 1957. Let's all enjoy it. There's something in this episode which we will see a lot of in future years but which is only which you don't quite notice here and though that is the edge of sets now when you're in the living room you don't quite think to yourself oh the wall is here like when when mr c goes from the ottoman in front of the tv to a chair like like um more foregrounded in the set away from like at the fireplace and the stairs of the back of the set the chair mr c sits in when he's talking to richie is in the foreground of the set kind of where the wall is and that's fine we, we can work with that and you know because there should be a spot where there's a wall and we have to pretend like we, we can't keep extending back the camera can't keep going back that scene with yeah yeah Potsy his hair in that scene right right after Ralph pulls away Potsy's hair is so glazed it looks like a beautiful like chocolate cake like you'd see on like the Great British Bake Off that they like glaze that look with a gelatin that looks gorgeous and shiny. His hair looks like a gorgeous and shiny cake. Uh, but during that scene, you see something that Jerry Paris would do a lot of. And actually, I forgot to mention it. Mel Ferber did it in the previous episode in that they're sitting in a booth. The booth is up against the wall. And yet we're seeing the edge of the booth the point in the seats that should be up against the wall that we shouldn't be seeing because we should be seeing wall. And you may be thinking, oh, Dan, that's nitpicky. Oh, wait till we get deeper into the series, folks. Wait, wait till we get deeper into the series. And then I'm going to point out some things to you and you can say, Dan, are you being nitpicky? Or Dan, are you the best? I don't even think my wife would say I was the best. She'd say I was top four. 
But there's, you know, you see stuff. So, <clears throat> anyways, so you got this strange thing happening with the set. And then you have a very interesting thing. I don't know if there's a, a Jerry Paris special, but at the end of the scene where Richie says he's going to buy the car, you see Marion's face, and she's kind of looking a little confused, bemused. And it dissolves to the eagle thing that they have on the front of their car. And I, I just noticed it right now. I know what you're saying, Dan. You're, don't you have notes? Don't you take notes? Yes, I take notes. But but you, I always have whatever I'm watch, uh, talking about playing next to me because there are always things you forget. There are about 4,000 things I want to talk about. Stuff like, I love the fact that you can see like fingerprints in like the paint or something on the car that they got. The car is a piece of junk. It's an absolute piece of junk. And Mr. C is right in what he says. One of the, the absolute joys of the episode, I think, is that when you get to the end, so, so what happens is, they take Trudy and Betty out. They're, they're there by the, the water. Um, Trudy is making out with Potsy. Richie is awkward as hell with Betty. And, but they end up sort of getting stuck in the car when it starts. They're rocking it. They're rocking it. They're rocking it. They let Mr. C pulls up because he's looking for them. They let go of the car and it rolls down the hill into the lake. So the gals go into the lake and they have to rescue them from the lake. That's hilarity. And it ends with a great scene where Betty's dad is there and he's in like Mr. C's coat and he takes the girls away with the look like, you son of a bee. You know, and, and it's just like, they're, they're just, in this one, they're just dumb guys doing dumb stuff. And they, they, every, everyone wanted to make out in the car. Unfortunately, the darn thing rolled down the hill into the lake. That was that, that sitcom chicanery for you. That's the way sitcoms work, folks. Thank you very much. But there's a great moment at the end where Mr. C and Richie, and it's, I mean, when Mr. C goes out to find them and he goes to Arnold's to talk to the Fonz, which is my favorite scene in the episode, it's already after midnight. So I'm presuming by the time they pull the car out of the water, it must be three in the morning, something like that. And there's just a great thing where Mr. C is leaning with Richie and it looks exactly like every 50s, 60s sitcom with a dad and, and a son. And, and the thing is, the previous episode... It was Richie talking to his dad about something he'd done and was trying to make right, and his dad gave him advice. And the Love American style was kind of just the dad reassuring his son that everything would be okay, even though sometimes it wouldn't be. This is the first time where it seems like the dad is going to have to do that, well, we've learned a lesson today. But it's really nicely written in that Mr. C is, is trying to speak, and Richie says, okay, well, you're going to tell me my lesson, Dad, that uh, this was money poorly spent and that I would have done better to have saved my blah, 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 blah. Mr. C kind of nods and goes, okay, well, now that you've learned your lesson, tell me how I can get my coat back. And then they go in. It's a lovely moment because you, you, sort, of, you sort of think to yourself at that time, what lesson could Mr. C be imparting to them? The title of the episode gives it away. It's a lemon. If they had gone out and spent, like, if, because it's very specifically said, Richie has 100 in his savings account. That's all he has. And Potsy only has 75. So when they're going out to spend the money, they're not spending a ton of money. We know they're probably going to end up with junk. But they buy something from a, apparently a dis, uh, a disreputable, uh, a disreputable, reputable dealer. And so it's like when, when you, I mean, I, it's one of those things, like if you're, if you're 16 or 17 and you know, if I go into a record store and I buy a rare record from like a house of guitars or record archive in Rochester, you know, and I spend like, spend like 20 bucks on it, you know, instead of like four or five, I'm expecting it 
to be good. You know, like I'm looking right here and I see like I've got a multi-region Blu-ray player. Plays Blu-rays, DVDs from all over the world. I've had it for six months. It works great. But if it died after a month of use, that's not my fault. I, 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 you know, it's unless you go to, you know, Big Eddie's Lemon lot, you know, then you know what to expect. But it, it's presumed that when they go and they buy this, they go in there with their money and they say, here's what we have. And this guy sells them a piece of junk. So to me, the guy is the one who needs to learn a lesson about not ripping people off. So I love the fact that the episode in, puts it in the title. The lemon, you know, it's like you don't you don't buy a lemon on purpose. You a lemon rips you off, and so they got ripped off, and so Mister C doesn't push it, and I really like that. And it's nice too that that moment when they're sitting at Arnold's and 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 Trudy and Betty are in the car and they're really impressing them, and they're like, oh, we got something else to do. We can't drive you home, and. Richie turns to Potsy after the gals are gone. So what do we do? We sit here until the place is closed and everyone's gone and then we push the car home. And it's like, oh no. <laughs> they even hang like dice, big dice from the, the mirror. And I, I, think, I think this is a very charming episode. Uh, I think this has got a lot of lovely stuff in it. I will give you my my favorite. I mean, there, there, are, some, there, are, some, <laughs> there are some moments like um, the, the moment where Potsy always overdoes his explaining and he's always bad at it. So he has a scene where he and Richie are sitting in the front seat and he says, okay, so when you're sitting here with Betty, you lean, you say, oh, let me lock your door for safety. And you lean around the back of her, you lock the door and you keep your arm there. And Potsy leans around Richie and he puts his arm around him and say, you know, like, you stay right here. And Richie's like, what are you doing? And he's, he's like hugging up against him. Then of course the Fawn shows up. He's like, what are you guys doing? And I think there could have been a slightly better joke in there than that. But he doesn't say, what are you guys doing? But, but um, you know, you you can see the amusingness in it. Uh, uh, you know, they, it's got a bit of the scare <laughs> in it. That's, that's, is, 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 but it's, I, I don't, it, it doesn't bother me because I think it's kind of silly and it has some sort of innocent charm. Even though, again, this is 74 doing 57. Uh, so what else do we have here? Yeah, yeah, the car's a piece of junk, and Fonzie gets his fixed up as best as he can. And then we go to my favorite scene. So the car isn't starting, and they're at, I'm, I'm still calling it Makeout Point because I forget what it is, where the lake is they're at. Mr. C gets a call from Betty's dad, and it, and so he goes off in search of. And he goes to Arnold's, and he gets to Arnold's, and... Uh, Fonzie, I like it, it that he gets a call after midnight, and so he goes to Arnold's, and it's after midnight, and Ralph and Fonzie are there. Now, Fonzie, I expect to be there because it's implied that he is, you know, he's the the dropout and he's the rebel, and he can stay out forever. And he's dancing with a high school gal, and Ralph takes over when when the Fonz goes to talk to Mr. C. And this is great. I love this scene so much. It's such a great scene because, as Mr. C says later, Fonz is actually a good guy, and the Fonz purports to be a rebel who's tough and and rough and you know this kind of thing but he talks to mr c like oh you're richie's dad oh yeah you're fonzie you know it's just they have a nice chat and they talk back and forth and it's really it's really kind of nice thing like um i'll tell you where richie is but you got to face face away from me i got my reputation to keep up and it's great because fonz is just keeping a reputation up that he i think you can kind of see that he knows that mr c is looking at him like Fonz, you don't have to do this, you know. Don't knock it off. 
and at the same time, Mr. C, you know, needs to find his son. So, so he's willing to play this game to an extent, but he's not going to go overboard on it. And so it's a really lovely scene, just the two of them talking. And I, I don't like to do this, per se. I don't like to do this. But Mr. C and F the Fonz are the only characters who will appear in every single episode of the show. And they will grow to, like Richie and the Fonz become absolute best friends, but Mr. C and the Fonz are like almost absolute best friends by the end. And it's so good to see this for the first time they meet, and you can't help but, you know, it's like watching, say, like a, a show like say I, I always references like Doctor Who, like watching William Hartnell's Doctor or Patrick Troughton's Doctor. You can't help relate that doctor to other doctors, but you should kind of try not to, maybe, as you're doing it, to get them in their context. And just this opening scene when they meet is so good. It's so nice. It's two great actors being funny and charming and just like two different generations and like they're at the submarine races. There are no submarine races. No, no. You'd call it pitching woo. And immediately, Mr. C. pats Fonzie's arm and says, I know exactly what you mean. And it's just, it's such a good scene. And it, I don't know that anyone would have watched this and gone, oh, these two are going to be so much fun to watch over the next 11 years, 10 years, 11 years, 248 odd episodes. But they should have, because it really is a great scene. It's a lovely scene. It's one of those, you know, you, you, you get that sometimes in an episode. Like, there's a lot of funny stuff in this. Like, Richie is just a rotten kisser. I And, and like, when he's kissing Betty and, and the seat falls backward and goes on to Trudy and Potsy and kind of crushes their laps and stuff like that. That's all funny stuff. And when the car goes in the lake, it's like, holy crap. You know, it's like, uh, it's it's good. And, and I... I realized the thing as I was watching this episode because I, I used to always think that these first two seasons were my favorite, then the show went downhill. But about two, two and a half years ago, I rewatched the series from beginning to end, and I kind of thought the opposite. Now, not that the very end is better than the very beginning, but I never thought it went downhill. I thought it just becomes another show in season three, and then it keeps adapting. I, if you go on Pop Matters, if you Google. Um, Jumping the Shark and Surviving, Happy Days Season 5. On the, the site Pop Matters, I reviewed um, Season 5 and talked about Jumping the Shark. And I think Happy Days um, uh, reboots itself and, and realigns itself many times over its seasons. And we're obviously in the first stage right here. And I... This, so this is his first stage. As as Henry Winkler said in the interview that I mentioned in the last segment, these episodes were recorded like one every three, three and a half days, shot on film, one ca single camera, like a short film, and laugh tracks were put in. And because uh, they they would regulate the laugh tracks, they weren't crazy. They were not. I, they weren't like say hazel, cal super calm laugh tracks, but they were regulated laugh tracks. It was a huge laughter at everything. You know, some laughs got, some jokes got bigger laughs than other jokes. I mean, they're all fake laughs, but, but they, they modulated them. Whereas when, you know, at this time, most 
sitcoms were in front of live audiences that cackled and cheered and yelled and screamed. And I mean, you'll see in later seasons of Happy Days, when Henry Winkler walks out or Scott Baio walks out, everyone has to stop for 10 to 15 seconds during applause. That doesn't happen here. Things are edited around all of that. And, and even when you have later episodes, there was a lot of stuff where a lot of stuff is shot on film, like um, uh, Fonzie Loves Pinky 1 and 2, Hollywood 1 and 2, Gaspard Hull 1 and 2, or, or summer movies, you still get that they are edited to the rhythm of the live audience watching them. But here they are edited, they are sort of edited to a filmic rhythm, and then laughs are kind of put in in nice places here and there, which I really like. Um and I really like this episode. I think I think the thing I realized watching this is that not only at this time in 74 when we're Sanford's son, we're Maude, and we're Mary Tyler Moore, we're Bob Newhart show, we're all in the family, we're about to be Jefferson's, we're all these other shows, odd couple still, all these other shows that are more uh, realistic, uh, in quotes, topical. Not only is this show thrown us back to a past which wasn't all rosy for a lot of people, but, but was for many of the viewing audience apparently at that time and i mean to me obviously i was born in 73 so i 57 i know the music i know the movies i know tv shows um i know tv shows that are set at that time that were made at other times but i i don't fully um i don't know i don't know the time but but not only the great thing is not only is the show set in that time and and it's meant to be nostalgic for that time but it's also with an episode like this i think is also about sent, is about to make you nostalgic or is a throwback to sitcoms of that time which i love cuz i was used to watch it like okay it's made in 74 and it's meant to remind you that 50s 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 but like an episode like this with oh we're buying a junky car and going on a bad date you know they mention um, David and Ricky and the Beave in this, you know, so you know, the the Nelson boys could have had this episode happen to them, you know um, Bud from Father Knows Best could have had this episode happen to him you know, one of the three sons maybe in the mid to late 60s could have had this happen to them, but then the, the joy of this is this is this show at that time doing that sort of plot line when no one else was really doing that sort of plot line I think that's what makes it unique, and that's what makes it in- interesting. Um, it's sort of like, <clears throat> to me, it's sort of like um, uh, Kolchak the Night Stalker, which was around this time. You know, 20-episode season, prior to that, two TV movies. And they're very specifically like, there's a vampire, there's an immortal guy who's living off of the life fluids of people, there's a, a killer reptile thing, there's a zombie, there's Jack the Ripper, there's a werewolf, there's a, pff, aliens, there's ghosts there's all sorts of things and and so you get circa 72 to 74 5 you get this show doing its versions of the sort of things that universal did back in the 30s and 40s and that hammer did in the 50s and 60s and early 70s and so so that's that's like that's one of the joys for me of watching night stalker is because like okay here's this these people's take on zombies these people takes on the werewolf, the vampire, uh, ghosts, 
um, headless motorcycle riders. Not well. That's that was a Bob Zemeckis, Bob Gale script, so you knew that would be nuts. But but you get the takes on these things, which we've seen so many times before. Like X Files does that too. You know, especially like early on, like X Files doing its well, Vampire was a little later on, but like doing its werewolf, doing its alien, doing its ghost, that kind of thing. And another one of my favorite shows, Shadow Chasers from 1985, sort of did that same thing. Happy Days is great because it's doing that, but with sitcom plots from 10, 15, 20 years before. And that's why I like this episode, because it is it, it is not only being nostalgic, but it is saying, like, American Graffiti, in the, the way it told the story, was sort of a very modern kind of post-Easy Rider kind of take with all these different stories, weaving in and out, and some of them not resolving and all happening in one night. But these this is very specifically... adapting it for 1974 like with the Richie learning the lesson on his own that Mr. C wasn't really thinking about or all the way being a little more racy than anything else could be um just it's it's a great adaptation of 74 um adapting stories from like 54 or something like that and I always think like when I see Mr. C being sarcastic I think of uh, Meet Corliss Archer from the mid-50s. The dad in that was very similar to that. Mr. C, I think, is funnier, but the dad in Meet Corliss Archer had its charms. Um, but yeah, th- I think this is a super fun episode of the show. And and the great thing about it is it really does compare it to a Bob Newhart or a Sanford and Son or an All in the Family or a Maud from around this time. It's a completely different pace, structure, the way it tells its story. It's not about a joke every 10 seconds. And, you know, and and the ratings were okay for this season, you know, and, um, but it was completely different from the way um, most sitcoms were being told at that time, which is why it's fun. So um, I'm, I'm going to stop right there. I think I've, we've talked, with, I, this episode was longer than we meant it to be. Most of these episodes, folks, are going to be two episodes per episode this one was obviously had a lot more going on in it um when we hit hour-long episodes those will probably be just one an hour-long episode will be one uh, episode of me talking uh and when i hit the end of seasons i want end of seasons to end in episodes so if i get to the end of a season i got three episodes we'll do three but <clears throat> yeah forgive forgive the length of this episode i'm looking at it now and it's um it's gone on a while, but I'm I'm not going to put myself down because I've been trying to do this podcast. I've been talking with Amanda Reyes, Mave TV Mayhem show, and myself back yeah back like I said back in Adventure Super Train uh, 2016 July or so. We talked about doing I talked about doing this, and she talked about doing the Trapper John podcast, and now I'm finally doing it. And I knew that this first episode would be much longer, so the next episode is going to be Richie's Cup runneth over guess who's coming to visit and it's going to be a shorter episode a much shorter episode folks and before i go i got one more thing to say because amanda will punch me right oh right in the space there um betty is it betty it's betty correct yes betty who who makes out with richie is played by lisa eilbacher lisa eilbacher was in bad ronald she was in she was an episode of Brady Bunch. The subject one knows is oh she was Vicky. She was in a Shazam. She was in a Moving On landslide. Oh I love Moving On. So Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew, lots of stuff. She was in lots of stuff. She was also in 
This House Possessed. She played Sheila Moore in This House Possessed, which is awesome. Most of you may know her probably as Jenny from... Beverly Hills Cop. Awesome. So Lisa Eilbacher plays Betty, and I bring her up specifically because... I sat there the whole time watching it going, who is that? Who is that? And then I thought, the moment I realized who it was, I thought Amanda will get mad at me if I didn't mention it. So yes, there's that. And this is this is a great episode. Yeah, all, all the way is an interesting one. And, and you can see again, this episode ends with everyone sitting around the dinner table. Chuck's not there. Um, um, Mrs. C makes a joke. Folks laugh-ish. Freeze frame, producer. That's the way the episodes will end. Demarcating it from the previous episode, which had the very different ending, which I still call a proper pilot or pilot-ish. Let's call it pilot-ish. So that is Rockin' All Week with You, the Happy Days podcast hosted by Dan Bunnick. I hope you enjoyed it, everyone. And um, yeah, I guess um, I I will set up something for this. Let me give you, how about um, if you want to email me anything, try it at my email, Danny, D-A-N-N-Y, Slacks, S-L-A-C-K-S, at yahoo.com I think I will probably post this over on eventuallysupertrain.blogspot.com it will go up on that feed because that's the feed I have all my stuff on but uh, yeah thank you so much for listening everyone and yeah next time we are gonna we're gonna go to a midnight drag race and Richie is gonna get super stinking drunk let me show you my hickey he played with her chest and until next time I will ask a simple question. What's a Fonzie? Monday, Monday, happy days. Tuesday, Wednesday, happy days. Thursday, Friday, happy days. The weekend comes, my cycle humps. Ready to race to you. These days are happy days. These days are Rockin' All Week With You podcast, episode one, addendum. Here we go. I know I'm trying to keep this under two hours, so I'm going to talk very quickly. I just finished doing the final edit of the episode, and there were three things I wanted to bring up. One, I kept referring to the Fonz's coat, which I think is a windbreaker. I don't know for certain, but I will call it a windbreaker. I kept calling it a blazer. I edited out what I said about that, but if I missed it and I sounded like an idiot, I apologize. It's He's not wearing a leather jacket. Boom. One, two, three. Uh, point two, Mrs. C and Joni step out to the car in the lemon, and Mrs. C says, are you going to take, more or less, are you going to take this car to Arnold's tonight? Which is like, oh, okay, it's no longer Arthur's. We saw earlier in the episode that it was, in fact, Arnold's, and they changed from Arthur's. But if you watch the episode, she says, oh, are you taking this car out to Arnold's? tonight and so there's a very distinct jump where she's saying are you taking this car to arthur's tonight and they dubbed in arnold's presumably because they called the fonz arthur so they had to change that or maybe there was another place called arthur's that they had to change but i i I do always wonder did they shoot that scene first and then they were like oh we have to change it to arnold's and then oh we have to overdub her voice saying arnold rather than arthur or did they leave that in the script by accident and in the final edit they were like oh we changed it we have to edit that i don't know but arthur arnold's 
that's it's it's interesting because that's sort of the point when the episode starts oh it's arnold's but halfway through you're like oh it's kind of still arthur's right there but maybe mrs c dubbing it as arnold's spread back and forth uh temporally across the episode and made it so point three on this one i'm going to say as quickly as i can because this is one i thought of when i got to the end of the episode diegetic versus non-diegetic sounds specifically music now when i'm trying to date the episode to me this is a game having fun trying to guess when they're setting the episodes there will be certain ones where we can set them very clearly and i'm not going to do this with every episode but with these first two i tried and and the love america side tried very hard to figure out when they were set and i used uh references like potsy saying play this music by this play this song by this band boom that's a specific time that that song came out so you can say that but then you have mrs c mentioning milton burl and the guys from texaco which was like four years before that so i go with potsy on that one because this is more sort of teen themed at the moment when it goes ensemble we can go for everybody but that'll be a couple seasons from now so uh when they say specific thing is that uh, like that that can that can nail it down um but then you get the non-diegetic versus the diegetic sound non-diegetic sound is sound that i'm going to say music i'm non-diegetic music is stuff that you can't specifically say comes from any point where people are within the show uh, people can hear it within show uh, for, for example like if they're pulling into a parking lot they're pulling into an inspiration point we're segueing from one scene to another and music is playing are they hearing that music or is that just for us but then everyone dancing to hound dog or like clicking on the radio in the car and a song playing those songs to me are clearly playing to the characters and to us so you can use those songs to generate a time scheme but the sort of vaguer songs that are is everyone hearing that or is that just playing for us can you still use those to gauge what 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 time this is set at what period exact not period specifically but what year this is set at I think because this is a nostalgic show, and so they're going to slather the nostalgia all over the episode, and they're not really going to care if, okay, we think it's set in 57, but here's a song for 54, enjoy the song for 59, here's something, here's a reference from 53, you know, stuff like that. So I'm going to wrap it up right here because I'm trying to keep this under two hours, and I think I just failed, but this is something to... Uh, this is something that I just realized after finishing the edit of this episode. We can look into it on the next two that we talk about. The stuff that the actual people in the episode are hearing, is that the way to date it? I think it is. Rather than using all the music that plays, including the stuff they can't hear. Because if it's for us in 1974 or now, then does it work for them? I don't know. I'm going to stop right now. And I hope I made my point right there because I'm rocking all week with you. Da 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 bum.